The Strategic Leader Podcast, episode number 256. This is a special edition. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. It is wonderful to have you with us on the Strategic Leader Podcast. My name is Brian Holmes. I'm your host. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you are a regular listener to the show, well, welcome back. And we're thrilled to have you on this journey as an emerging leader. Hey, we're in the process right now of transitioning our program to a new and updated format. And while we're doing that, we're bringing you some wonderful and incredible content, some old, some new. And today is no exception. I hope you're ready right now to get started. We're going to dive deep and become all that God has created us to be. Let's get started, everybody, right now. Well, I am absolutely overwhelmed today to bring you this very special guest. She and her late husband embody everything that we talk about here on the Strategic Leader Podcast. And in fact, their story is one of passion and life and purpose and patriotism and helping others and sowing into the lives of people who are less fortunate or hurting. And man, I could just go on and on. My guest today is none other than Taya Kyle. Taya is an American daughter. She's an American mom and she's an American wife that women and leaders really throughout the world can connect with on a very high level. As a focal point for military and first responder families throughout the U.S., Taya has become a beacon of light for women through displaying her tenacity, her strength, her faith in God, and all of that in order to steer her family through some difficult times, which you'll hear about in just a moment. Following on from the heartbreaking sudden death of her husband, Chris Kyle, who, by the way, was the author of the New York Times best-selling book and Academy Award-winning motion picture, American Sniper, Taya has worked tirelessly to extend his legacy to the American people through the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. This foundation aims to build a network of military and first responder families through meaningful, interactive, and very healing experiences. And you're going to hear again more about that. In her own right, Taya has become a well-respected figure for military and first responder families and American women throughout appearances uh, on the likes of Patriot Tour, Fox News, and uh, so many other networks. Her story, American Wife, which is a wonderful book released in May of 2015, has given Taya the platform to share her heart while she talks about grief and faith and love. I am so amazed and so honored to have Taya on the program today. Without further ado, let's go right now to my interview with the American wife and a great American hero, Miss Taya Kyle. Taya Kyle, it's awesome to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you having me. Oh man, it's 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 we're just deeply honored for real. First of all, let me say for all of us in our audience here, thank you for uh, yours and your husband's service to our country. Uh, we are deeply indebted. I I don't take that for granted for one moment. And uh, your your story is 
one of the most compelling and riveting stories I've come across in a long time. And uh, my wife and I have been deeply touched by how transparent you've been with your journey uh, over the last several years. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, he definitely loved serving and I loved being with him. So it, it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are, in fact, uh, best-selling author of the wonderful book, The American Wife. And of course, uh, you and your husband, I believe, together worked on The American Sniper. And uh, We did. Yeah. And so, my gosh, you guys have made such a powerful impact in these last number of years. And uh, we're grateful for that. For those that don't know you or may or may not be familiar with your story, would you mind just sharing a little bit about your background and who you are and some of your journey? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, most people know us through American Sniper, either the book or the movie. That was sort of how we came into the public eye before that. Both of us were raised in good homes with some Christian background and, and we went to school, lived our early twenties. We met in our late twenties and we started this journey in the military and had learned a whole lot from it, had a lot of really intense experiences and, and then uh, as we were just starting on that part of our life together, Chris was killed. And after that, I continued to finish his other works. He was really interested in American history and world history, as well as uh, guns and as, as tools and how they were used to shape the way of history. And so he had been working on a book called American Guns. So I finished that. And of course, the movie was underway when he was killed that they had just turned in the rough draft for the movie the day before he was killed so we started working right away on getting that to completion and he had some business troubles that I I worked on with him before he died and I continued that fight after he was killed and some other legal battles and of course we had our foundation that we wanted to do some some good with the the platform, I guess, that we'd been given. And so I put that into a marriage format, our foundation, the Chris Galfrog Foundation. We worked toward saving those military and first responder marriages. We know that when the, the marriage or the safe place crumbles, these um, individuals go into kind of a tailspin and so do their children. So our way of helping and honoring God and country is to serve those marriages so that they can stay together and keep their foundation intact. So it kind of brings you up to speed now and now I'm working on some other books and um, TV projects and mostly trying to be the best mom and person I can be. Yeah. Tell us, tell me a little bit more about the, the marriage focus and emphasis, because I, I know that, you know, in the movie and of course in your book, you talk a lot about uh, yours and Chris's marriage was solid, but there were like all of us, there were ups and downs and there were trials and errors and various things that went on. I guess out of that whole process and then when Chris was killed and, and you walking out your own process of healing, what what kind of has driven you to maintain that focus of helping these families? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that my marriage taught me more than anything else in my life, I think. And I was really encouraged by a lot of people along the way. And I realized that I, our marriage didn't survive just by chance. You know, there's a lot of divine intervention and there were a lot of other people that helped me in ways that I never took for granted. You know, there's a 97% divorce rate in SEAL teams. 
when Chris was in. Wow. And we were part of that 3% that made it. And I thought, how, you know, I can't imagine if we hadn't. And what a blessing it was that we were able to survive it and thrive in it. And I got to see in such a short period, I got to see relatively short, you know, it felt like eons at the time, decades, but really I got to see so much of life up close and personal and experience so much of life that taught me so much. And, and I got to have that, that part of my life wrapped up with such a beautiful bow in that I believe God knew that Chris was going to die. And we were given the gift of having just a phenomenal marriage in the end. And in a way that I really felt like somebody had just put a warm blanket around us and particularly, I mean, the last year was really good, but, but the last month was to the point where I remember calling a, or a friend of mine had called me a couple of weeks before Chris was killed. And I was in tears and I felt kind of stupid saying it, but I also was washing over me. I said, I feel like things are so good and so perfect. And I feel like something really bad is about to happen to one of us. And oh, it just, wow. it was that, yeah, it was just that kind of that level of things. And I, I want to give that gift to other people because we never, none of us know how long we have. And I recognize that with that gift of having us intact, I realized if we hadn't been, what would have come of us? What would have come of Chris and what would have come of me and our children? It would have been an entirely different world. And so knowing that I didn't do it alone and knowing that these amazing people helped me along, I just wanted to help other people so that they could have that that sense of not just surviving their service but thriving in it and being together and having that safe place and the the strength I drew from that and the amount that I felt blessed from having that relationship intact was almost like too big to just not help other people have it if that makes sense it totally makes sense what what does that look like how does that play out what what are the mechanisms through which you're you're speaking to training mentoring coaching these families yeah so it's such a it's such a divine thing to me because when we started you know chris hadn't been killed for too long when people started talking about foundations and boards and i thought oh, i just i can't right now like i said i middle of grief and um and raising kids and their grief and then all the legal battles and other stuff that i told you i was working on I thought, there's no way i can do this and i specifically laid out reasons why I, I did not feel I could do it. I mean, I didn't know about, Chris and I had looked into foundations before he died and we knew that they were expensive to, mm -hmm. to start up. We knew that they were time consuming, that there were so many pitfalls you could fall into without even knowing you can get yourself in trouble, you know, with the IRS or legally without meaning to. And so anyway, I thought it's going to be too hard. There's no way I could do that right now. And then every, I didn't even know about how to design a website or how it would get started or form. And I believe that God put the people in place because it would be a week or two after I would say, well, I just don't know how to do this. There would be somebody that would just pop into my life that didn't know that I had been talking about it or somebody I'd talked to about it would have run into somebody that said, oh my gosh, I just ran into this person. It's perfect for you. So the pieces would fall into place. And by the time the third one did, I thought, okay, God, I'm listening. Every excuse I give, you show me, you know? And so I thought, well, this is, I cannot ignore this. This has to happen. It has to happen now. And so that's sort of the, the way we got started. And then it builds on everything that we experienced together. So like, for example, I had a friend who, she is a brilliant woman. She you know, had a um, her own business and her husband was in the SWAT teams and they had experienced a lot together. And 
I remember her saying things like, Taya, the times when you need a date, the times when you want a date the least are the times you need it the most. Mm. And so I would be like, oh, are you kidding me? You know, like I've got to, I, I, my feelings are hurt right now and I've got to reach out and try to make sure we go on a date right now, you know, <laughs> but that saying was so true. And, and I learned that, you know, there's a lot of times, a lot of women, I think we feel like, look, when we were dating, the man asked us out and now it's all on us. We, aren't we doing enough? Why do we have to do it kind of thing? But I recognized like how really powerful it was every time we would go out. And by the time we'd come back, just how much better we were. And even when we might've been a little irritated to start out, how, how healing it was. So there was that, there was the, um, the same friend actually said, I'm a friend to you. And and that's sort of first and foremost, but I got to tell you that I'm not going to place that first. What I'm going to place first is being a friend to your marriage. Mm. And I thought, Ooh, that's really powerful. And I've, I've thought about that one a lot because the difference is as your friend, I would tell you as a man, you don't need to put up with her. Why is she doing that? Right? Like I'm going to protect you and be like, Oh heck no. And I've got a lot of girlfriends that would say, you know, to their friend, I don't know why he does that, but you deserve better than that. You need to put a stop to that. Right? Well, that's being a friend in a lot of ways. Being a friend to your marriage is even a better kind of friend because what it says is I can see why that would hurt your feelings. But what we know about men and women is this, or what we know about a way you can, fix it as this or that's being a friend to your marriage, which I think in turn makes you kind of a better friend overall. Um, so we build on a lot of those kind of things and then I could go on and on. Um, but I won't, I'll let you, you know, take, I'll take my cues from you, but really there are a lot of things that are unique to these marriages, these service marriages that other people don't have to deal with. So for example, if I, I less than 1% of the people serve, and so those service marriages are a very, very small number of the population. So I, there aren't a lot of people in this world that I could go to and say, these are the issues I'm having and have them say, that's because you're in a service marriage and it's different, right? Mm-hmm. Normally I would just think we just weren't handling it well. We couldn't figure it out. What was wrong with us versus no, 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 this is normal in service marriages. And these are some tips that, and, and for women like and men, we pull them out in from all different areas of the country so that they have a safe place to talk to. If I, if your wife was my friend and, and you worked with my husband, if I said to her, hey, this is happening, I'd have to trust her enough to think. My personal philosophy is that people, if I tell my girlfriend something and she's married, she has the right to tell her husband, right? Because I don't ever want to yep. keep them have to keep secrets. So she tells her husband and then he somehow lets it slip at work to where my husband feels vulnerable. Now I've screwed up because now I've taken my personal stuff or my husband's personal stuff and put it in his work environment and driven a wedge between us. So, and that happens a lot with fire departments, police precincts, military battalions or platoons. The wives can't really talk to each other about all that stuff without at some point, um, because they're, they're the service people. They, they have a brotherhood or a sisterhood that they live and work and breathe and die together. So Anyway, what that does, though, is it isolates you and it, it makes you not to share your problems with people that would understand it best. But if we pull them in from different areas of the country, we open that up and we pull, uh, pull people into a safe environment and, and give them a trusted source to know they're not alone, which is a huge deal. So that's part of it. We do revitalization retreats, which are weekends away, and that's based on a whole other experience Chris and I had. And then we've been doing a Mastering Your Marriage program, which... Uh, we're partnering with University of Texas and Baylor and they're doing research on service couples and the dynamics in those marriages. And then 
they're working with some of our couples and we'll get that research material and turn it into some instruction for these couples. Um, and, and then we have empowered spouses retreats, which is a whole other dream come true of, of pulling them out of their marriage and talking to them about these service marriages and how you can be uh, really depleted and how um, they're not abnormal and those kind of things. I mean, I can, we spent five days in, in the wilderness in Wyoming with no cell phone reception and did fly fishing, building fly fishing bait, uh, doing yoga, going for hikes, doing some skeet shooting, doing things these women had never done before and doing them together. Um, was really a powerful thing because they also got up in the morning and did intensive um, work and studying on self-care, family dynamics, marriage, the relationships. So anyway, we've got an array of things and, and we're trying to build slowly enough to master them all before we add more, but our vision is huge and we've got so much more that we want to do. But it's, it's been cool. Well, you're, you're sitting here sharing all of these ideas and techniques and uh, outlets that you've created for these service families. And I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear. What well, you can't see because you're on the phone. But you, I've shared with you that you know, mine and my wife's great passion is to see uh, people really healed from the inside out and deal with unresolved issues that that oftentimes go unspoken or they just leave it alone. They don't, you know, they never pull it out to look at it. And right. I'm, I'm hearing you say that you're creating environments and scenarios where these. This very unique group of people can come and and absolutely have a place to bring those feelings, those hurts, those pains, those fears, those struggles out into the open and just and and work with them. And that is just so desperately needed on so many fronts. I can only imagine how uniquely different it must be with this one percent of of people. It's just amazing to me the work you're doing. I'm so grateful. Uh, what an incredible uh, thing you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate you recognizing it too, because I'm of the same mind that you are, which is, you know, when there are things that go unspoken and, and, and misunderstood really. And honestly, that's what we find mostly. The divorce rates are so much higher in these communities. And usually when it comes down to it, it's so sad because these people loved each other enough to get in the marriage that they knew wasn't going to be easy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like anybody gets into it says, I'll marry a police officer. That'll be such a cakewalk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or I'll, I'll marry this military guy. My life will be so easy. So they loved each other enough to try it. And then all of a sudden there's just misunderstanding, miscommunication, confusion. Uh, you know, they're both people end up being, there's such service, hearts to begin with they end up both being so depleted by giving to everyone else except each other because they figure they're fine and then all of a sudden they're not and there's nothing left and so yeah there's there are times where it is like you said you need to just scrape off the hard surface that we all create to protect ourselves and and get underneath and cut out some of the bad tissue and figure out how to mend it and we get we get letters all the time that man they just they keep me going because these couples are so grateful and they're, we forget sometimes in our culture, I think the difference between a great marriage and how awesome that is and how, um, how much of a difference that can make in your life versus, yeah, they're married, they're divorced, they're hanging on by a thread, marriage sucks. I mean, when it's good, it's, it truly is 
it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's just one of the best things in the world because you create an environment for your children, your friends, you know, extended family that they come into just a, it's just an awesome feeling to, to be in a, a place where there's two people that truly do have each other's backs, enjoy each other's company, love each other, you know, and, and it's so easy to go south in our culture. You know, you've heard this line a thousand times at weddings that, you know, marriage was the first institution that God ever put in the earth. And it's true. Uh, when he determined that it wasn't good for a man to be alone or for us to walk, you know, by ourselves, but rather to do so with a husband or with a wife, uh, it, it was a good thing that he put together there. And here's the piece. Uh, because it was the first thing, because it was so important and such a core issue, we oftentimes don't think about the ripple effect that a good marriage like you're describing has on everything around us. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion yeah. that as, as a marriage goes, so goes a family, which means generationally speaking, my kids are going to be healthy and they're going to have great relationships. They're going to have an opportunity to really be successful without a lot of baggage. Uh, it, it means that mm-hmm. my friends and my peers and, and those that I serve in business or in ministry or whatever it is that I'm doing around me, uh, they're going to get the best of me. They're going to get not not some scrap, some leftover, some broken down thing, and and so it it is such important work to to identify and to deal with these unresolved or unspoken issues, so that we can have a, a far reaching effect and leave a powerful legacy. And uh, man, you're doing that. I'm so proud of that. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, just to to back you up on that, I mean, statistically children who come from divorce are far more likely to get divorced themselves. And that makes sense because if you haven't seen that it's possible, I mean, because most, most kids, I mean, we're talking about good marriages too, obviously abusive marriages. I'd never recommend somebody saying that. I don't think that's what God wants for us either. Absolutely. But you know, for, for marriage that can be good like that, it is, it shows so much to, to kids too to see that you can disagree and you can argue and you can mend it. And, and what a beautiful thing that is to see people be strengthened through those smaller struggles at home. And like you said, the, it is a blessing to, to people around. I love being around couples that I know are doing well and have, it's none of them have done it easily, by the way. Oh, yeah. like none of them have just gotten married and all of a sudden every life was great, right? It takes, work and it's not unpleasant work if you stay on top of it. I have this, I, um, I'd forgotten. I said it, I said it at somebody at my goddaughter's wedding and I've forgotten about it until somebody brought it up the other day. Um, and it's, I think this is so true. If you had somebody gave you a pair of shoes and said, these are the only shoes you will ever own for the rest of your life. If you don't have these shoes, you're barefoot and you still have to walk the concrete pavement, the hot sand, whatever this is it. You would take such good care of those shoes. And if they started to get a little bit of a scuff or a hole, you would make sure to patch it right away. If it started to, you know, fall apart, you'd mend it really quickly because they're your only pair of shoes and that's your foundation that you walk on. And if we would think about our marriage the same way that this is supposed to be our only one, it's supposed to be our foundation and our, um, our strength. And it makes our whole walk in life more comfortable when it's when they're intact and it's good we would take such good care that's how we need to think of our marriage is is that when it's first sign of scuffing or scratching or a little bit of a hole we stop we pay attention we take the time to mend it and we do that we get this awesome 
you know, foundation to walk through life with. Absolutely. I want to shift gears on you just for a moment uh, because I want to be very cognizant of your time. You're so gracious to uh, be with us today. You know, I, I talk a lot about transition in my work. And in the last five years or so, my wife and I have been through a major one. It's, it's probably the fourth major one that I can identify in my lifetime. Uh, to say that you've experienced significant transition in your life is quite the understatement, really. In your case, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was a tragedy that thrust you into change you didn't necessarily want and certainly didn't ask for. I'd like you to share maybe in the context of transition, what are some of the lessons, realizations, uh, nuggets you've taken away from having been thrust into that season? And then as you've had to learn how to, to take what was dealt you and, and really find purpose and life and, and meaning in all of that, what did that look like for you? Just the transitional process. What were some of the, the parts of the journey that you feel like would be helpful to our folks? Yeah, I think, you know, there were a few things that really came out of it, that, quite a few things, but to keep it sort of concise and we can dig deeper if we want to or time permits. But one thing that grief in itself taught me is that there are some things that I cannot power through. Mm. And that is a big learning thing for me because usually I just thought if I just worked harder, if I just learned more, if I just read the right instruction manual or self-help book or talked to the right person, I could get through it easily. And I liked that because I don't like struggle. I don't like confrontation. I like to change it. So that grief experience has brought me to a place where I have to just accept that I don't have control. I can't rush it, that it may exist in me forever but that I can find a way to give it to God, to have faith, to accept it, to actually deal with it when it rears its head. I mean, there are times where I'd like to press it down and then I realize that's not very valuable. Sometimes it's appropriate. I mean, sometimes I think we have our, our struggle and we just go, nope, can't deal with it now. But that if I continue to do that and bury it and stuff it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fall apart. And so that's been a big thing. And I think the other thing that really was a divine lesson and, and on the one hand, I, I feel like my strength is a, a blessing. On the other hand, you know, we can call it stubborn or hard-headed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so sometimes I, I've noticed that I feel like God, to get through to me, has really just brought me to my knees. And and, um, and one of the things I recognize is that after Chris died, there was too much for me to do. I could not, I mean, I wasn't sleeping hardly, but two or three hours a night, and I was working around the clock and still raising my kids and doing all that. And I just was so overwhelmed that I couldn't do everything that felt vitally important. And so I learned that when something isn't working, there's not a clear path on it. I didn't, I couldn't just keep hitting my head against the wall. Like I might have the year prior. So what I had to start doing is saying, now is not the time for that one. Even though I think it's so important, I'll just set it aside until I feel like, God is telling me it's time, right? That's awesome. And so to give that faith, it, it ended up being the coolest thing because I ended up seeing that I couldn't do it. And within, let's say, three months, six months, or sometimes even a little bit longer, all of a sudden something else would pop into place. And that thing that I'd been hitting my head on the wall about, the doors opened and the path was clear. And I thought, oh, I couldn't have predicted that yeah. other piece of the puzzle would have dropped in. And yet, so that's taught me a lot in my life about saying really when it when it's god driven 
the, the, I'm not saying we don't work, we do, but the path is a lot more clear. So we might have, we might have to keep on trucking and, and use our energy to go, but the path is clear. And if it's not, then it's not right now. It doesn't mean never. And even if I think it's important, it doesn't mean that the timing is the way I thought it should be. So that's big. And then the other two things that I learned through all of this stuff that I, I feel like um, end up being pretty important when I remind other people of them too, is that I constantly have to remind myself, fear is not of God and confusion is not of God. Yeah. So that being, you know, when you say, okay, well, fear, meaning I don't want to die in a car accident, I'll put my seatbelt on. Okay. Well, but that's not, I don't think we have to look at that as fear. I think we have to look at that as knowledge and being aware and smart as we put our seatbelts on. But it's not because I lived in fear every single time and I'm so terrified when I'm buckling my seatbelt. It's just that I'm, I'm knowledgeable about the risks and so I take precautions. That's different than living in fear of something. So, so letting go of fear and letting go of confusion has really been helpful for me because when I'm confused about something, I can set it aside and pray instead and say, like, you know what? This confusion is not of God. So, God, if you can just put it on my heart or light it, light it up somehow or show me something different, or I'll just wait until yeah. something is clear. That's that's not something I ever did in my life. I was not a good waiter. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I would say those are probably the biggest adjustments that I've made in my life through the tragedy and, and hardship. Those are incredible. Absolutely so valuable. Um one of those that you mentioned reminded me a little bit of myself because, and I'm not saying this to be boastful, but I'm, I'm like you. I'm a pretty strong person. I'm pretty knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of intuition and I can figure things out quickly. And, and if there's something I'm going after or feel like I need to do, uh, I, I probably have the talent and skill set that I can I can get it done. And mm-hmm. I've been learning the last four or five years that uh, just because I can make something happen doesn't necessarily mean it's the right time or the right way to get it done. And uh, like you, right. like you described, I've been learning how to just wait it out and and wait. And and like you, I'm telling you, I can mention two or three things my audience knows, two or three things that uh, three or four years ago fell into place that I, as masterful of a negotiator and a business guy as I am, I could not have possibly crafted these deals because they right. just they just right. came together the right people, the right time, the right relationships. And, and I had no idea they were out there, but there they were because it was the time. And so that resonates a right. lot Isn't with me. Isn't that humbling? It's humbling. It's so humbling. I feel like God's in the mix of these little <laughs> things and the big things in our life. And for all of us, you know, it's crazy. And, and, you know, that's why I think the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own ability, our own understanding. And, and I, I just, you know, that sounds like a cliche kind of a scripture reference, but the point is, is that uh, when he puts something together, he does it so much better than we can. And we just have to right. learn how to wait it out and, and allow that thing to come organically, come about organically. And it's always going to be a win always. Right. Right. And it seems impossible. I've got a friend who and right now he's working so hard on, on his marriage and he thinks, well, it's God driven. So, so I just have to keep pushing and, and figuring it out because God wants me to be married. Right. And, and I'm a good person <laughs> and she's a good person and all this stuff. And for a while it's like, yeah, try, try what you can try, you know, yeah, how's, how's that working point, for you? There are, right. Yeah. There's so many dynamics and I, I felt like usually in a marriage I could say, keep on, keep on, keep on. Right. But if somebody else has said, I'm out. Right. That if that by him stopping and saying, God, I'm going to give it to you for now. Like that doesn't mean that you gave up on the marriage. What it means is you 
you handed it over because, you know, this situation, you know, somebody's already moved out and there's a lot of different things going on. And it's just really, um, you know, there's a lot more than just, oh, we had some disagreements. Then I would say, keep working on it, keep finding a solution, right? But at some point when it only makes things worse, it seems like, and maybe that's the time where you have to say, I do think God wants me to be married. And I do think that it'll, it'll happen. But I think at this point I need to calm myself, calm my heart and give it to him. And, and he'll show me in a calm way instead of this panicked, desperate uh, attempt to save something that, that right now doesn't, you know, both parties aren't invested in saving it. It's, it's pretty powerful to think that you can actually just back off and that, that God will work some things out on your behalf. And then you might be able to actually go in and try again. Absolutely. I think you've probably seen that in your life and your oh, work, right? Man, a thousand times. And especially in the last five years, you know, five years ago, six years ago, we were invited on this incredible journey again, another transition, a big one. Yeah. And, uh, and quite honestly, up until that point, I, I didn't know what it meant to let something happen organically. If I knew it needed to be done, I just got it done. I made it happen. Right. And, and, you know, right. unfortunately it was like, you know, trying to, uh, to help the rose bloom and, and in doing right. so, you just tear the whole thing up and, and it never winds up the right way, but you're exactly right. Uh, man, it's, if we can learn to walk it out a day at a time, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus had, he's pretty, he's a pretty good example on most things. I think, uh, yeah. he, he made this statement one time to his boys. He said, look, he said, I don't do anything unless I see dad doing it. I don't even say anything yeah. unless I hear him saying it. And that should be a lesson to yeah. us because we we get an idea in our mind and we just go start generating all kinds of activity to make something happen. And we need to be more cognizant, yeah. I think, of of a day-by-day leadership of the Holy Spirit and, and direction in our lives. And I think things would turn out a lot more fruitful. They would. And man, it does take a lot of faith to say, by me doing nothing, but but if I've given it to God, that's actually not nothing. It just feels like nothing, right? right because right. if you say, okay, you take it and I'll wait. For people who are doers, we feel like we didn't do enough or we didn't make stuff happen. But I had this, I had, it's funny you bring that example up because I was just talking about this earlier to somebody. It was a powerful thing when I realized that they, that uh, Jesus would tell people, and he's sent to save us and do more for everybody than anybody else, right? So he's going to die for us. And he said, I need, I need to like leave you here for a minute and I need to go like commune with my father. He needed quiet time yep. to sit and listen to God. And I think if Jesus himself, when he was in human form on this earth, if he needed to do that, well then my gosh, I need to do that too, yeah. because being in your human form here on earth, <laughs> you need to like, we're physically, even if we have the best spirit in the world, we're physically not built to not take a break and, and just recharge our soul. That was a kind of a big deal to me to, to cause I just, you know, power through, power through, don't stop and everything will work out. Pray on the way, you know, kind of thing. Well, I have two more things I want to run by you before we wrap up here. One is, how are your babies doing? They are so good. I'm telling you, I've I've been blessed beyond what I deserve with them. They are so fun, and <laughs> um, I just I I'm constantly amazed that I get to share my life with these people, and that I tell them all the time, I'm like, man, God did good with you, and I, I'm lucky to share this with you. So they're they're phenomenal, and they're resilient, and they're faithful, and they're you know, smart and fun. And I just, 
I get a kick out of them. Well, cherish every moment. I know you know that because, uh, you know, yes. my, my son's 22 now. My daughter graduated high school almost a year ago. And before um, you know it, man, it's like it's a whole different world. So uh, I know. I can't even imagine. I I know they're like they're my people. I know. I know that's got to be such an interesting. I, I always thought, oh, that's good. You know, you raise them so that they can go out and be people in the world and and not need you. And, you know, that's like, that means you did such a great job. You give them roots and then they get wings and, you know, all this stuff. But I had a, a good friend of mine who was taking her son to college. Um, and I remembered him not long ago, it seemed like, you know, being this preteen and she was taking him and I started crying and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is going to be bad when it's my turn. Yeah, man. Get hard, ready. I think. Been there, done oh, that t-shirt and video. Yeah. It's on YouTube somewhere. Oh. I'm sure. So I'm sure. Yeah. So what's, um, what's in the future for you? What, what do you see? I, I mean, you've talked about so many incredible initiatives you're working on and already working in. Uh, of course, you've got the foundation and all this, but what do you see parlaying off of all of this the next year or two? Yeah, I've got, so I think that we'll see American gun and American wife TV components released. And then I have uh, my, I've got a faith-based children's series that I've been thinking about since, uh, oh gosh. I mean, it's been 15 years. I think that I've been, um, had this kind of thought, but then a series of things happened that kind of opened it up and I, so I'm hoping to have that published in the next year or two. So, um, and then after that, we've got I've got another book about other people's stories that I feel like, man, people tell me these stories and they've inspired me. I, I feel like they should be available to more people. So I might get that one out too, but I don't know. I don't know how long that one will will take. But um, yeah, just sort of just sort of that stuff, and then hopefully still with the majority of my time spent with my kids. That's that's what I see on the horizon. Absolutely. But as we said, I don't know. Maybe it'll all change tomorrow. So hey, I don't know. The, the key is just walking it out a day at a time and, and listening and being willing to follow the path, you know, as, as God puts it in front of you, right. just one step at a time. Right. Like I have my ideas, but definitely I try to say these are my ideas, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So how can, how can our folks connect with Taya Kyle with the foundation? What, what's the best way for us to keep in contact with you? I appreciate you asking, you know, I think, so there's the Chris Kyle frog foundation.org and that's, that's a good way. We have all the social media and I've been thinking about that lately, but I wish there was just one, but we've, at <laughs> this point we've got a, you know, we've got a Chris and Taya Kyle Facebook. We've got a Taya Kyle American wife, Instagram. We've got, Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So I think the best way is probably just, I mean, we try to keep the, if it's Facebook, it's Chris and Taya Kyle or Taya Kyle American Life. If it's, um, you know, if you go to the www.chriskylefrogfoundation.org, we're trying to get that, that one, I think, more updated where people can find links to all the rest of it. But I guess social media is the best way right now to to try to keep up on what we're doing. Well, we're going to put links to as many of those as we can remember in uh, yes. with the show notes of this episode. And we want to make sure that our audience knows that uh, Taya is our kind of people. She, she believes, of course, a strong person of faith. She's also a person who understands the business world. She's also someone that we can trust because she's transparent and the journey that she is continuing to walk out is touching so many lives. And uh, hey, for me, I'll just tell you, we want to keep in contact with you because uh, we are so appreciative of what you're doing and 
any way that we can serve you, Taya, we'd love to do that. But all the links to her websites, uh, to the foundation, to social media will be in our show notes. And uh, Taya, it is a privilege and an honor to get to have this conversation with you and all the best. And we, we just pray God's blessing on everything you put your hands to do, really. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your listeners and their support too. I love what you're doing. And um, yeah, definitely. I hope we, we all stay in touch and keep on keeping on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. And uh, I'm just going to put a plug in right now with you that uh, when the new book comes out, I want to interview you. I want to promote it. I want to help you to get the word out about it and uh, just consider us a part of the family. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. God bless you guys. What an incredible interview with Miss Taya Kyle. I'm so honored. I really am overwhelmed. What a story. If you've not read the book or seen the movie, The American Sniper, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, It will certainly move you in a very deep way. Also, if you've not read her book, Taya's book, American Wife, it is powerful. I read it in preparation for this interview, and it will change your life as well. You can find out more about Taya at tayakyle.com. That's tayakyle.com. And her foundation, the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, can be located at chriskylefrogfoundation.org. What incredible work these guys are doing, touching families, leaving a legacy, and really taking a tragedy and turning it into a real blessing for many, many people. If you've not already done so, I want to encourage you to go to brianholmes.com and right now, subscribe to our weekly email email updates. We have some incredible things taking place around here. We're updating our website, launching a refreshed podcast in the month of July. We've got some new products, some new courses, some new seminars, uh, some new training opportunities that's coming very, very soon, and we want you to be informed. So go to brianholmes.com today. And as you sign up for that, we want to give you a very special free gift. Don't miss the opportunity. BrianHolmes.com. Do it right now. Until next time, everybody, we love you. We believe in you. We know that something great is coming in your life. And we encourage you to go after it with everything in your heart because you are created for greatness. Greatness.